And everyone said? Amen. Well, there was a woman known as the Queen of Mean. And you wouldn't want to be known like that, would you? She was a cutthroat real estate agent, a billionaire she became. She ended up 16 years in prison for tax evasion and a few other misdemeanors. And the thing that sunk her was that the housekeeper overheard her say, we don't pay taxes, only little people pay taxes. She was known for that for the rest of her life. And uh, as I said, she ended up in prison. And so I'm one of those little people that pays taxes. <laughs> and I think most of us are little people who pay taxes. And, uh, but I'd rather not be known as call ourselves little people, but how about we just say we're ordinary people. And the great thing about being ordinary is that as I read through the pages of this book, God loves ordinary people. And God uh, uses ordinary people. And God has a way of putting himself as extra in front of your ordinary and making it and transforming you into extraordinary. The, um, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's an incredible miracle. We all know that. But apart from that, in many ways, his birth happened in a very ordinary way. Born in a stable, a place for animals, not humans, stinky kind of a place. Uh, I can't imagine uh, my grandchildren, Zach or Emma, being born in those conditions. No warm blanket, no bassinet, no host of family and all the rest of it to welcome them into the world. Jesus was born into an ordinary manger. But when you put God into ordinary, it becomes extraordinary. And we know the manger's been a revered part of the Christmas story ever since because God was put into the ordinary. It's amazing how ordinary becomes so extraordinary in many, many ways. But despite the less than ordinary circumstances of Jesus' birth, God wasn't going to let this event pass without some fanfare and some excitement. So let's go to Luke chapter 2, shall we? And we're going to find this in verses 8 to 16. Now there, was, there were in the, same, in the same, same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Just imagine the scene for a few moments. And they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, the Savior, Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Just imagine this, <laughs> saying glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth, goodwill to all men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. It's a, an amazing, amazing, amazing story. And... Uh, no doubt it started off a very ordinary night. Ordinary sheep, ordinary shepherds, who were often low class, 
and uneducated, outcasts they were often considered. And it amazes me that these few unknown, possibly uneducated shepherds would be the first people on earth to hear the good news of Jesus' birth. It's staggering, isn't it? You would have thought the arrival would be announced to world leaders, kings and queens and prime ministers and presidents and you know that kind of people. But here there's no red carpet. In a sense, there's no fanfare. This is the upside-down gospel. It's kind of like everything happens the wrong way around or contrary to how the world would do things. And I think that's the thing that attracts so many of us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the message is loud and clear. God is no respecter of persons. Uh, You know, we're all equal in a sight from the smartest person in the room to someone who never went to school, from the richest to the poorest, uh, you know, from those born on the right side of the tracks to those of you who had a horrific background and upbringing, you know, just regardless of color, regardless of nation that you come from, you know, the gospel is the great equalizer of mankind. We're all equal in the sight of God, and that gives all of us a chance to be what God has called us to be. And that's One of the things I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, God can use all of us in extraordinary ways. I I heard just last week of one of our campus pastors. And so they have a a daughter who's eight years old. And for a long time, there's been kind of like no other eight-year-old in their kids' class, uh, children's church class. And she was really wanting, you know, a friend. And so this was just last week before our Sunday night carol service. And they kind of knew of some people that were coming along. So the father said to the eight-year-old, why don't we fast through the evening meal and pray? And it was an amazing story. And so he said, you know, him and the daughter, they fasted. The rest of the family, kids, mum, all had their meal. And uh, they prayed, and then they went to the service. And you might remember last Sunday night, at the end of the service, I gave this altar call. And a number of kids, a number of adults, a number of kids got saved. And one of those kids was someone that had been to this campus before, was an eight-year-old who gave her life to Jesus Christ. An ordinary eight-year-old girl sees something extraordinary. The father said to me, she will never, ever forget what happened in that moment. You know, there's something happening in Church Unlimited. There really is. You start hearing stories of eight-year-olds starting to fast. (laughs) You've got to believe something is taking place. And I'm hearing so many stories of people's lives being changed, how they're getting closer to Jesus. They're experiencing more of his presence. They're growing in prayer and in other ways. It is an extraordinary season as God's putting his hand on just ordinary people like you and like me. The Christ child was born in awful circumstances, but God lit up the darkness with an extraordinary, extravagant display of light and sound. So God, when he throws his extra into ordinary, it does become extraordinary. Remember when uh, God called Moses? In Exodus chapter 4. And Moses is, he's been called to lead the people, but Moses is afraid that no one's going to listen to him. So God says to him, Moses, what's that in your hand? Of course, it was just this rod or a staff, an ordinary kind of thing that shepherds use. 
And he said, throw it to the ground, it became a snake. And then he said, now pick it up again. And it was transformed back into a staff. Just an ordinary staff, but when God puts his hand on it, it becomes extraordinary because he fills it with his power. But did you notice the question? What's that in your hand? Only a staff, ordinary staff used every day by shepherds. Nothing much, so small, so ordinary. But when God put a little bit of his power into ordinary, it became extraordinary. In fact, in time, it split the Red Sea into two. So 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 28, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it really brings out how God can use the ordinary. And so this is really a message for all of us here today, because most of us are fairly ordinary. Uh, some, of you, some of you may think that you're a bit more than ordinary, but actually you're not. <laughs> you're, you're only very ordinary in the scale of things. But it says that you see you call him brethren, not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty. These are the people God chooses, uh, are called. But God has chosen the, the foolish, you're in, <laughs> the weak, the base, the despised, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That means everyone in this room is in. So many of you have disqualified yourselves. You're saying, I'm weak. I'm not very smart. I'm a nobody. You know, God's just looking for nobodies. Yeah. All God needs actually is a vessel yeah. that he can work through and flow through. My message today is put your ordinary into the hands of God. And watch what he will do. He will do the extraordinary. So ordinary Tark, ordinary Joseph, ordinary John, ordinary Deborah, plus God is extraordinary. You are no ordinary person. Can you hear that? You're extraordinary. You're exceptional. Why? Because God is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Resurrection power is in you. When you walk into a room, God walks into the room because God is in you. Tell the person next to you, you are exceptional. Go on, tell, just tell them. <laughs> Many of you believe that? You are. You are actually exceptional. and You've become more and more exceptional. You and God together. This is what I'm trying to get across. You and God together, thinking about this, walking the earth. It's not you just walking the earth. Uh-huh. Is that right? It's not just you. It's you and God. It's you and God. It's not you and Tuck. It's not you and your husband, you and your wife. It's not you and your kid. No, it's you and God. God, creator of the universe. Hey, the one who threw billions of galaxies into place. One who created mankind. You and God together are walking the planet. What can you and God do? See, you can't do much, but when you put God beside you, you can do amazing things. You can do unusual things. It is a, an amazing and awesome combination together. But the key is this. Learn to walk with God. 
Learn to get close to God. Learn to get, acknowledge His presence with you all the time. And as you do that and you develop that relationship you have with God, you're going to find that you're going to see Him start using you in wonderful, wonderful ways. So when God asks you, what's that in your hand? What do you have in your house? Your first response is usually, well, not much or nothing. That's because we leave God out of the equation. When the little boy handed over his ordinary lunch, five loaves, two fish, that's all it was. How many of you know that's not much? But put into the hands of God. Wow. Fed 5,000 men. Maybe 20,000 people. We don't know. When ordinary is placed into the hands of God, God can do something extraordinary with it. So there's a story told of this pastor in Philadelphia around the year 1900. He's walking in a church and he sees this little girl bawling her eyes out and he says, what's wrong? She said, well, there's not enough room in the Sunday school for me. So looking at her clothes, pretty unkempt, pretty dirty, obviously a girl lived in poverty. He realized that probably the real reason there was no room for her was because of the way she looked. So he took a hold of her, took her in and made sure that there was enough room for her uh, to, in the Sunday school class. Well, she, for the next two years, she never missed a Sunday. Not once. She just so loved it. It's just so fantastic. But then after two years, she died. And the pastor was preparing her funeral. And they gave her the girl's purse. Opened up the purse, and in the purse was 57 cents. That's all. And a little note to build a bigger room for more kids to be able to come to children's church. So the pastor grabbed a hold of that note and he shared it with the church and challenged them, hey, we need to build a bigger facility so more kids can come. Well, the newspapers got a hold of the story as well, got promoted around the place. And then a man offered the church, he had some land, it was worth thousands of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, I don't know how much it was worth, and offered it to the church. And the church said, well, look, we can't, Afford to pay. We don't have that kind of money. And so the man said, okay, you can have the land for 57 cents. Everyone knows that you can't build a church for 57 cents. That's all the girl had. But that didn't stop her trying to create a miracle. You're saying, God, here's my 57 cents. Build a big a building for Kids Church. Today, you can go to Temple Baptist Church of Philadelphia. You're going to find there the church and also a university and a Sunday school room where everyone can fit in. In one room, there's a photo of the little girl who started it all with the 57 cents. Here's the point. An ordinary caring action of an ordinary pastor so he's the one who took her in. And an ordinary girl giving an ordinary donation of 57 cents when touched by the hands of the master resulted in an extraordinary miracle that sparked a revival, a church, and the founding of a university. So what do you have? What's that little thing you have? that you could put into the hands of the master. 
I reckon that's the testimony of my life. Here I am, God. It's not a lot. Do what you can. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. Most of us can give a small donation, like the little girl. Most of us can make sure a child gets to children's church, like the pastor did. We can all do small, ordinary acts, but when God throws his presence and power into it, it becomes an extraordinary act. So what I want to say is take every opportunity to do an ordinary act. Like a smile. Like a handshake or a hug. Offer someone a ride somewhere. Whatever it might be, a kind word that takes 10 seconds can change your life. It really can. So I want to read to you from 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 to 7. Certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead and you know your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she says, Your, your maidservant has nothing. The normal answer, isn't it? In the house, but a jar. Here we go. I think this was the original. It's a bit worn out now. Just a jar with, of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. So here's the vessels. There was a lot more than this, but I got three. There was probably, I don't know, 10, 15, 20. I don't know how many there were. Go borrow the vessels from, what, from your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour into those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. And she poured it out. She said, poured it out. So then it was sort of like that one got filled. <laughs> and then poured this one out. And it always got filled. It was all coming out of here, by the way. All right. So this one here, poured it into there. And that one got filled. And probably, I don't know, just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. I don't know, this little jar of oil maybe filled 10, 20 maybe more uh, empty vessels. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full, they said, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there, are, there is not another vessel. So they all ceased. She came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and your sons shall live on the rest. So the widow said, I have nothing except a little oil. So next to nothing, she said, I've got nothing. Some of you are saying that I've got nothing, but you actually have got something. It may not be much, but you've got something. I want you to get that something into the hands of God, whatever it might be. A little bit of oil became extraordinary as the oil multiplied and vessel after vessel. Then it was all sold and the money she made was enough to redeem her sons out of slavery and pay off all the debts. So when God asks you the question, what's in your hand? Don't say, I have nothing. Instead, search your heart. See if you can say, I've got a little bit of encouragement. I've got a little bit of compassion. I haven't got much, but I've got a little bit. A little bit. That little bit can go a long way. Or a little bit of friendship, a little bit of money. God, I've got one little talent. I've got a little bit of extra time. 
Not much, but just a little bit. I've got a home. It's not nothing flash. What have you got? Never underestimate the power of God, what he can do with your ordinary. And maybe this jar could represent you. And you look at yourself and you think, <laughs> it really isn't much. You've seen a lot more flashy jars than this one, haven't you? You know, maybe a little bit marked, maybe a bit cracked in some places, a bit damaged. But maybe that's you. Represents you. You look at yourself and you think, well, God, you look in the mirror and you think, it's not much here, God. You know the wonder of God? He doesn't need much. He actually doesn't need much. He just needs your heart. He just needs your heart. You give him your heart. Give him your all. Because I think God's searching across the face of the earth, just looking for those who are dedicated to him, surrendered to him. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro all across the earth. See, he's not looking for great talents. He's not looking for great gifts. He's just looking for people who are available to him and who will surrender to him and will just say, God, with the little I had, here it is, God. I hand it over to you. I place my life into the hands of the master. God, what can you do with this? And when God puts his hand on your ordinary, I'm telling you, you're going to be amazed at what he'll do in and through your life. It'll be way beyond anything you ever thought or ever imagined. Sure, it may not be written about in books or anything, but I'll tell you, it'll be written about in heaven. I want to wrap it up with a story written about this young man who graduated from high school. And in his own words, he wrote this story. He said, one day I saw a kid in my class walking home. His name was Kyle. Looked like he was carrying all his books and all his stuff from his locker room home. He said, I couldn't figure out why would he be taking everything home. You just don't do that kind of a thing. And so as he was walking home, some kids kind of rushed at him and knocked him over. His glasses went flying and he was picking up his, all his books. And this friend of his um, went over there and, and helped him. And handed his glasses and said, those guys should get lives. And he looked at me and he smiled and said, hey, thanks. I found out where he lived. This is a man's story as he tells a story. And they found that they lived nearby. So as they walked home together, they talked all the way while he carried his books for him. He hung out all weekend and he said, I really like this guy. And he said, so did my friends. We really got to like him. Over the next four years, him and Kyle became best friends. And when they were leaving school... He was going to be a doctor. He was top of the class. And he was going to give a speech at the graduation. So Carl started his speech and he said, Graduation is a time when you thank those who have helped you through the tough years, your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe your coach, but mostly your friends. He says, I'm here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. 
said, I just looked at my friend Kylan in disbelief as he told the story of his first day we met. Remember, carrying those books? He said to the graduation class, he said um, he had planned to kill himself over the weekend. So he cleaned out his locker so his mum wouldn't have to do it later on. He looked at me and he gave me a little smile and said, thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I heard a gasp go through the audience. I saw his mum and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. So what is in your hand? Is there enough kindness to stop and help someone who pick up, to pick up their books? Do you have a little bit of oil in a jar? Do you have five loaves of bread and a few fish? What do you have? Do you have a little prayer that you can pray for someone in need? Do you have to pray 20 minutes for them? What about 15 seconds? You just pray. That retail assistant that's serving you, do you have a little prayer that you could offer them? It may be small, but I think we underestimate the small. Do you have a little serving that you could do, a little ability? You have something, maybe it's next to nothing, maybe it's ordinary. I just want to say, give your next to nothing to God. Give your ordinary to God today. Use the little you have, sow the little seed, and it can grow into something way out of proportion to the seed it starts out as. Because God plus ordinary equals extraordinary. The baby child seemed ordinary. The night was ordinary. It was a very ordinary manger. Ordinary parents. Ordinary sheep. Ordinary shepherds. But touched by God, it became the most extraordinary event in the history of the world. And the Savior was born, who is Christ the Lord. This was the dawn of redeeming grace. It's the greatest story ever told. It'll never be beaten. It's the best of all. And it all involved Ordinary people, ordinary shepherds, an ordinary manger, ordinary stable, and ordinary parents on an ordinary night to create maybe the greatest miracle of all time when a virgin gave birth 
to the Son of God, no less. Give your ordinary to God today. Amen.